Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It was all a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream. My poor little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. It was all a dream. I have a dream that one day little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. So let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. And when this happens... When we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all the thoughts, children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. Good morning, happy Victory Tuesday, check the tape edition. E.T., can we just agree we'll put off celebrating MLK Day one day every year if we can get a playoff victory to talk about on that Monday. Hey, I had a dream that we go into the playoffs every year. And we're going to win all of them. <laughs> all right, man. Here we go. Happy Tuesday to all of you. Good morning, Tony Smith. How are you? Doing well. Man, I blew that game last night. I, honestly, I picked every game right this weekend. I didn't mm-hmm. think this weekend was that hard, depending on which way you went in the Minnesota-New York Giants game. But I uh, thought the Bucks would put up a fight last night. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> the fight consisted of a Tom Brady attempted slide tackle yeah. on, uh, I believe it was Malik Hooker in the game. Well, did you see that play? I did not see that play. <laughs> Watch that play. Tell me Tom Brady's not one of the dirtiest players in the National Football League. I'm serious. <laughs> like, interception going back the other way. I don't think quarterbacks can qualify for the dirtiest Bro, Watch players. that play and tell me he's not dirty. Tom Brady's got a history of sliding into people uh, with the cleats up, by the way, over the years. So, great player. Doesn't mean he's not dirty, but he just defended himself, Mike. Sure, sure he was chasing him down from behind, trying to trying to hook slide him. I, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Apparently, it's a Belichick thing because Mac Jones does the same. He does stuff. do the same thing. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe it is taught by Bill Belichick. But you know what? Again, we're not going to worry about teams that are not in the playoffs uh-huh. anymore, and that includes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At least there's one good team in the state of Florida. E come on, resides right here in Jacksonville. Come Locked. on, somebody. Uh, how how fun was it to go back and review things uh, after an historic Jaguar performance on Saturday night? It, it was fantastic. And the crazy thing is that you kind of you kind of speed through the film until you get to that first scoring drive by the Jaguars, 
at the uh, at the end of the first half, and then and then you slowed it down, you know, to really watch a lot of stuff. But I mean, the first part of the game, the things that you wanted to watch were the interceptions, why they happened, and uh, and obviously you guys know the answer to part of them because the tip balls are the ones that you just can't do anything about, you know. So those happen. But I give the Chargers credit. They really came out and befuddled Trevor Lawrence because they were playing uh, what you call kind of a hidden zone. Hidden zone, yeah, yeah. We talked about that yesterday a little bit. And uh, uh, typically when an offense runs three uh, three wide receivers to one side or they motion a wide receiver on a play pre-snap, that they're trying to get the defense to declare their coverage. And when somebody travels with a guy in motion, that can be an indicator that it's man coverage. For example, if the Jaguars are playing the Chargers again and Keenan Allen's lined up on the left side and Tyson Campbell's on him, Keenan Allen motions across the formation and Tyson goes with him, okay, if you're Justin Herbert, you're thinking that's man coverage. Man coverage, of course. 99% of the time it will be. Exactly. And same thing with Asante Samuel. If he's going with a guy in motion, Trevor's thinking man coverage. Well, they were actually – matching across with the formation and then the motion. And then once they got to the other side, they would adjust and play a zone concept. And that was the, the reason, exact reason why Asante Samuel got that one easy pick where he's just sitting there mm-hmm. on a crossing route and he just jumps right in front of the route. So a couple of the other ones were just great plays. The coverage by Asante Samuel on that one was awesome, excellent play. Another one was a bad, what I thought was a bad decision uh, by Trevor just making that throw because the coverage was too tight. So – you know, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of reasons for why the interceptions happen and then the perfect storm of the muffed punt where it hits Clay Brooks in the head on the way down. You're like, can, can anything else go badly right. for that, this team? That, that, that did feel for a moment like, oh, no, really? I mean, yeah. are we jaguaring it as hard as we possibly can right here? But no, not this team, not this year. And hopefully, I thought it was over. Uh, well, I think most – logical people did I mean, at that point in time. It, and, and, and here's, you know, and the reason why is because typically when you make a mistake in the playoffs and you commit a turnover, it's it's a huge momentum swing, almost twofold in the playoffs compared to the regular season because, you know, everybody's expectation once you're in the playoffs is that you want to play the, a good game. Okay, you know, we need to play well. We're playing a good team. We need to make sure that all of our stuff is on point. And so once they got to the point where they were at, sitting there going, there's just no way. I mean, nobody comes back from a minus five turnover differential. In my mind, I was saying, I don't know if that's ever happened. And so uh, after the game, of course, the information came out that in 19 or 26 times, I don't know the exact number, there's been two different reports that it's happened in the playoffs in NFL history and nobody's ever won. So I – contacted uh, Zach and the Jaguars analytics department. I said, hey, give me the stats in the NFL for the last 10 years of all turnover differential games. You know, so from plus five Mm -hmm. all the way down to minus five. And so here's the numbers, which is staggering. In the last 10 years, this is regular season and playoffs, there had been 38 games in the National Football League where the turnover differential was minus five. Nobody had ever won. I wouldn't expect a single one. There was one tie and 37 losses for the team that was minus mm-hmm. five, which is unbelievable until mm-hmm. that game. Right. So now the playoff or the chances of winning a minus five game 
now reside at 2.6% because the Jaguars won it. It's all ours. <laughs> all that 2.6. Crazy. Let, let me ask you, because I was told that while they were doing that kind of hidden zone concept, right, mm-hmm. playing zone behind man, whatever you want to call it, that they switched it up in the second half. Uh, not They did. Wondering, like, do you think they thought, okay, they're going to now adjust to what we're doing in the first half. Let's go back the other way because that seems like, you know, okay, yes, they did score late, but you're up pretty big playing this concept. Why would you go away from that if you're the Chargers? Well, they wanted to prevent the big play. They, they felt like that the score was on their side and that there wasn't going to be enough time to score. So what they did is they started playing some two-man to where they would play man, but then they had two safeties back deep to help prevent the big play. And then they also played some zone where they had the safeties back. And – uh, which, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that philosophy. It's just a matter of executing a little bit better. And I think if you're going to go to that philosophy on defense, then you damn well better run the football better than they did. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. You know, they, they came out and were still kind of throwing it. They really didn't have a, I didn't think anyway, a concerted effort to get Eckler involved in the running game. And that's kind of why, you know, at the beginning of the game, you know, me and Baselli were talking about, hey, look, this – this is a football team. You got to beat them up a little bit because they're just not very physical. They don't run the ball very well, and they don't stop the run very well. Well, we didn't think that it would come down to you know them needing to come back and and then the Chargers' ability or lack of ability to run the ball to take time off the clock in the second half would be a factor. I mean, you don't dream up a game like that, but it really kind of played out that way to some extent because the Chargers just didn't run the ball with any concerted effort or any success in the second half, and credit the Jaguars' defense. You know, I saw, Mike, that uh, that you put out on Twitter the question of the day, and there was one question that I saw out there, and they're, like, asking uh, why the, 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 what did the Jaguars' defense do differently in the second half that they didn't do in the first half? Well, the damn offense didn't give the damn ball away in the mm. second half. I mean, you know, they got a chance because, you know, they weren't starting on the plus side of the field most right. of the time. I mean, that was the big difference in the ball game defensively. And then offensively, Trevor got in a rhythm, and then, holy cow, he just couldn't be stopped. Yep, and uh, that's why we're still talking about the Jaguars Amazing. moving on today. Amazing. So, uh, Jeff Flogman's here. This is a check-the-tape victory Tuesday, and uh, we invite your questions or comments uh, to take advantage of Jeff's uh, film study over the last couple of days. So, uh, to do that, 641-1010 on the phone lines or on the text line, Designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, and at IME2, the T. Come on, somebody. ET, new uh, behind-the-scenes video for you inside the stadium from Saturday. Yeah, you want to give the people just a look from the inside of the, the ruckus of the riot. The first one was mostly like pregame tailgating scene, getting all around and all that. So uh, this uh, newest video, at IME to the T on Twitter, uh, and I'm sure other social media platforms, which I do not uh, frequent, uh, you can find the latest. In Trevor the, Giggle. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> you can find all of these high quality. I'm serious. Some of the best video production uh, you'll find anywhere out there. All right. So we're off and rolling here on this Tuesday. Let's continue to look back on what went down for the Jaguars. More from an X's and O's perspective. Yesterday was about the emotion of the game. Today's about the technical aspect of it a little bit more uh, than otherwise. So we'll do that throughout the course of the next two hours. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
They run the ball with ETN, tries to get the corner. He does! 35, 30, 25. He is going to get wrestled to the ground at the 15-yard line. What a play call. It looked like the old T formation, and they handed it to ETN. He got it to the 16-yard line. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. I'd say it's a pretty big play in Jaguars history now with Travis Etienne converting that fourth and one and staying in bounds, setting things up for the eventual game-winning field goal by Riley Patterson. Logs, you're going to break down that play on Jags All-Access this week. Just give us a, a little bit of a radio preview of what you saw on yeah, that play. Yeah, go into the film room with Phil Rauscher, who is the Jaguars offensive line coach, and Doug Peterson after the game to Peter King talked about how Rauscher, he gives credit for mm-hmm. that play design. And I thought that the timeout before was critical because the play before, the Chargers had everybody stacked in the middle to prevent any kind of quarterback sneak. And then they also had a linebacker that kind of was aligned in a position that if it was going to be a pass, that it could have possibly been disrupted. Doug Peterson didn't feel comfortable with it, calls the timeout and goes to this play. And this play was interesting from a design standpoint that needed everybody to block. And they were really trying to get ETN out on the corner against one guy in particular. And that's Asante Samuel Jr. Who's not a tackler. You know, the guy doesn't like to play a physical game and they felt very confident that if they could get, ETN out in space, first of all, he's got great speed, but then the lack of want to by Asante Samuel to tackle they felt was going to be in their favor, and they did a great job, and I think the key block on that particular play, you got to give credit to Manhurts on the edge because he does a great job of blocking Kyle Van Oy, and then Zay Jones picks off the safety on the edge, and it was just, you know, easy play mm-hmm. from there. And an ETN staying in bounds is just, you know, wow, next-level awareness by a young player, which is really impressive, which twofold there. You credit the player, but then you also credit the coaching staff for putting that awareness into his mind. No doubt. Well, and I think it's paying off on habits that you you build up through the season, right? Like we've talked about these wide receivers and their willingness to block guys like Zay Jones all season long, and it gets to playoff time and you're asked to have that kind of play. It's like, yeah. They don't I, hesitate. Yeah, I've done this, you know, 20 times a game all season. I got to do it one more time. It's the biggest play of the year right now and it just looks like another day in the office for him to have to make that play and it's a massive play in that game you know, not, a lot of wide receivers they just want to make the touchdown catches like Zay had you know they don't want to do the dirty work well when you're willing to do the dirty work uh, like Zay on that play then you get rewarded with the other play which Zay had a tremendous touchdown which that play right there you got to give cre- all the credit in the world to Trevor what do you see? Uh, that, that's been a frequent question this morning already uh, for you on Check the Tape Tuesday. Do you, can you tell what he saw that made him check out of what they were going to do? Yeah, the, the Chargers are playing kind of a two-deep zone, but on one side of the zone, which is Derwin James, kind of has a propensity to stay up close to the line of scrimmage. He likes to hit people. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're playing a deep half and you're playing that deep half at about, you know, 13 to 15 yards, that ain't good enough mm-hmm. on a deep crosser, you know, especially somebody coming from the opposite side. And so Trevor saw that that was the coverage that the Chargers were going to play. He checks to this play and 
And Zay goes across the field, and when he does, Derwin James never even saw him. That's about as wide open a Jaguar touchdown from distance as I can remember oh, in a while. Man. And how about the throw? I mean, Zay never broke stride. No. I mean, it's just beautiful, and that's a big-time throw. I mean, there's not many quarterbacks in the league that can make a throw and hit him in stride like that because if the coverage was tight, the throw was good enough to get in there. Like when you guys are on the road, we're like eight to ten seconds behind on the, the TV copy, so when we're in, in the stadium – so it's about one second. Like, we've got the in-house feed, so we're seeing ahead of what everyone's seeing on TV. Um, and uh, just to hear when, you know, that the ETN run on fourth down and the Zay Jones play, Frank recognized it right away. Like, you could tell immediately in his voice that when that one second passes, we're going to be pretty happy with what mm-hmm. we see right here. So it was fun. Great, great play, and it was, uh, it was fun watching both of those plays because you could just – you could see it. I mean, you could really see that it was going to be there, you know, especially when Zay broke out, you know, and Derwin's still stuck around the line of scrimmage or 10 yards or so, and you're just going, that's that's a touchdown. And then when ETN got the ball, as soon as he got it, they had everybody jam-packed to the inside, and you're just hoping nobody squeezes through to disrupt the edge. And when Zay got that block, you're just like, oh, yeah, here we go. No doubt. All right, let's get to the uh, phone calls here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. We'll start up in Lynchburg, Virginia, Justin first up today. Good morning, Justin. Duval. Duval. Now, come on, man. I can't do this all week, but I guess I, I guess I can. Duval. Duval. All right, I'm Yeah, fine. baby. I'm Let's good. Go. go ahead. Yes, sir. What do you hey, got? So, yeah, I know I was supposed to call in yesterday, and we're talking technical stuff today, but I just I, I wanted to say, I mean, I drove 18 hours in two days. Uh, I mean, I drove straight down, went straight to tailgating and to the game. And then the next morning, after like four hours of sleep, drove another nine hours home. But, man, was it worth it. This team is special, man. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. That's a great way to start us on Check the Tape Tuesday. I mean, I'm, I'm happy you're happy, right? That's awesome, though. We, I mean, we that, had the pep dedi- rally dedication, yesterday. Dedication, though. Dedication. Uh, a lot of Jack fans came in from uh, – faraway state so uh, look i'm happy that you had a great time uh we're getting on to questions for logs today let's get to uh jim out at the beaches next up here uh, on i like this question. check the tape tuesday uh jim go ahead good morning gentlemen first of all i wanted to say jeff that uh I told you years ago that i thought we had the best team in broadcasting and after listening to many teams other teams over the years i have heard nothing to make me change that opinion I appreciate that. It's fact. It's fact. The the thing I was wondering about is with the officials, as far as when they stop plays and when they don't. Now, now I realize it was somewhat different because there was a timeout, but I'm thinking specifically of when the official grabbed Logan Cook. And, uh, you know, I mean, Grant, he could have gotten hurt, and fortunately I don't think he did or anything. But I'm just wondering as far as when they stop it, you know, what's the criteria and the procedure, that kind of a thing? Well, I'm going to just kind of go on the entire – diatribe here of the officials <laughs> since you're just asking a question specifically about Logan and the trial I'll, I'll start with that when the the league has kind of a point of emphasis that they want they don't want kickers that get ice to have a practice try okay but you don't put the damn holder at risk of getting hurt because your stupid self is mm-hmm. tackling the holder okay I was going to use a dumb and a following word. I don't think you can use that on a radio. Run in front of him. Stop the snap. You don't touch a player, okay? Do not touch a player. And Logan Cook was hot. Should have been, you know? Because, look, if if you hurt the holder in that instant because you're trying to prevent a practice kick, 
and all of a sudden the holder has a physical problem because of your decision, and then he can't hold for the winning kick, can you imagine what that would do to the league? I mean, unbelievable. So terrible decision right there. The uh, personal foul, the first one on Joey Bosa, okay? Bosa complains because he felt that Jawan held him, okay? And look, can he argue that? Does he have a legitimate argue? Maybe, okay? So he, he lets the official know that he's not happy. He should have been gotten a holding call there. And Bosa immediately starts walking off the field. It's over. You know, he's not engaging the official anymore. The official literally runs across the field to intercept Bosa, going to the sideline and fronts him up. And it kind of challenges him to say anything. And then I don't know if Bosa mumbled something. Well, then he throws the flag at him. You don't chase players down in a game to throw a flag at them. Okay, when the player is disengaged, you let the player get to the sideline. You don't go bow up to a player because you're the head ref. That's totally wrong, and he should get reprimanded for that. The Trayvon call. Trayvon didn't push the quarterback down. That was a total flop. And then there should have been a discussion there by the officials instead of I made the right call and I saw it at completely right call. Look, Trayvon doesn't push the guy down. I mean, he's, he's trying to get away from the quarterback and celebrate. Could Trayvon have been a little bit more aware in that instance? Absolutely. I don't know if he pushed him down, but if you just but let it go, a push. he extended his arms. No, and, I know. And, 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 but, and, and my I point mean, Herbert is, may have acted very well, but my point is, is that with the extension of the arms, it looks like a push, right? But it really wasn't. But and he's got part, doesn't he have to I be think, smarter and just let him no, go and put his hands like up? That's like, what I just said. Yeah, I just okay. said he's got to be more aware right. in that instance, you know. But for the officials in a game in which they're letting him play, you're going to throw that. I mean, really? I mean, that's just like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I hear you. The, I, I the just PI th- calls, uh, one on Ingram, one on Zay, and then there was one other one. Were terrible. I mean, they're not. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna allow the PI calls, then you know you gotta allow the other side to kind of roll with that as well. I thought that the that was. I, and I understand playoff football. You want to kind of keep the officials mm-hmm. out of it, but I mean, this was like just ridiculously over the top. All right. Uh, thank you for the call, Jim. Let's go to Thomas in West Palm next up here on. A check the tape Tuesday. Hello, Thomas. Hey, what's going on? Is there anything this team cannot do? Duval. Thomas, what's your question for so, Jeff? Jeff, so I have a question. So can you talk about that touchdown throw to Evan Ingram? I mean, that the quick decision, putting it the placement. And then my second question is, what has changed with Evan Ingram to where early season he wasn't as much of a factor. Late season he's been a huge factor. And is that what hap- why he wasn't a factor in Kansas City? Or what did they do to stop him specifically in that game? All right, well, Thanks, let's, y'all. Let's, yeah, let's, Thank you, man. Thank you, Thomas. And let's start with the throw. Uh, first of all, a great route by Evan because you got two wide receivers that are kind of trying to suck the two safeties away from the middle of the field. So they come in and then they break out. And that whole reason that they do that is to try to isolate the linebacker. Evans' route runs up the field and then runs kind of a hard end, draws the attention of the linebacker to kind of set his feet and then breaks it off vertical. And Trevor throws it right over the top of the linebacker and then the safeties that get pulled out just slightly by the two wide receivers actually stay in more than I thought they would and actually impacted the play a little bit because they were making contact with Evan as he's catching the ball. But 
mean, that's a very tight window and an excellent throw by Trevor. It's all timing, and it's got to be placement, and it was a great great job by him. All right. Uh, thank you for the call, Thomas, as well. Somebody asking on the uh, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, have we answered why Bosa wasn't ejected? Uh, no, but th- this is the reason why Bosa was not ejected. The If you have two um, unsportsmanlikes, they have to both be directed at either a player or an official. They have to involve a player. Like, if you're getting an unsportsmanlike because you're kind of, you know, trading blows with a player, or for for instance, the first one was directly involving an official. Right. The second one, he had run off. He's by his sideline. It was unsportsmanlike to throw the helmet, but it wasn't directed immediately at an official or another player. That's my understanding of why that was not. Yeah, I was kind of uh, curious. I think Doug on Peterson it. answered that yesterday. As a yeah, and I, I didn't really, really understand. I thought maybe one was a uh, unsportsmanlike, one was a personal foul. There are two different categories, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, should he have been ejected? You know, maybe. But kind of I, I think it's, is, I think it's sweeter. I think but, it's even sweeter. Uh, Joey Bosa – and Asante Samuel Jr. were running around like they own the place uh, in the first half, and uh, I'd just love to see them both get their comeuppance. Well, Bosa had, you know, there there was some, you you could kind of argue whether he was held on a couple plays. You you know, if you go to the part where he slammed his helmet on the ground, you go back two plays, he was clearly held by Jawan Taylor on that play, clearly. The next play, Jawan Bosa wanted a false start because Juwan has a tendency to be kind of quick out of his stance. So the two of those kind of compounded on Bosa and just sent him through the roof. And that's where he goes to the sideline, slams the helmet down. Yeah, but even before know. that, like, go, you know, at halftime, he's yeah, running yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He's running up, flashing the L on his forehead to the fans. He's running, like, right up towards the stands doing it. And Asante Samuel thought he was shushing everybody by holding his finger between his eyes the whole first half, which is <laughs> – just stupid, but I, I just I just love the pain that they were both in after the game. Yeah, so, Thomas also asked like about the improvement of, of Ingram, and and I will say that uh, he does a drill. You know, one of the one of the knocks on Evan, it, first off, has been uh, the drops. You know, and and that's something that he works incredibly hard on, and it's pretty cool. He does this drill before every game and he works on it and practice as well he wears these glasses that look like the old school kind of back to the future glasses they're big kind of shiny wraparounds there's strobe lights in there and so he works a tennis ball catching drill mm-hmm. with these strobe glasses on because what it does is it uh, makes the player and the eyes focus on the balls with a lot of distractions with the strobes going so he does that like on a knee with somebody throwing him tennis balls all around his body while he's on one knee. And then he progresses to where he's catching balls, running routes with the same kind of strobe things kind of going off. And it's improved his concentration. The drops have diminished this year. And the thing that I give him a lot of credit for is his willingness to block and his effectiveness to block this year has been vastly improved from previous years that I've watched him on film. Love to have him back, uh, but that's an issue for when the season's done, and we're not there yet, fortunately. Eight teams left. The Jags are one of them. It's a check the tape Tuesday. Be patient. Hang on. We'll get to your questions as well at 641-1010 with Jeff Logman, Tony Smith, and ET. I'm Mike Dempsey. Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Shotgun trips left, dropping his Trevor. Looking. Fires back in the end zone. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown by Evan 
Ingram. And the Jags get on the board late in the half. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, here we go on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman, Tony Smith, ET Mike Dempsey here with you. Let's jump right back into it at 641-1010. And by the way, we've got a lot of them coming in on the text line. I will spend some time running through those with Jeff a little bit later on, as well as your uh, Twitter questions this morning right now sticking with the phone calls we go to steve in san marco to lead us off hello steve hey guys good morning so a question uh for jeff is that we have the benefit of playing this team earlier in the season we're a much different team at this point as are they what's this week going to look like for the team as they prepare looking back at film and is there anyone on the team that they will use in their preparations to be a decoyer uh, a placeholder for Mahomes as they try a special game plan for them. And then also, in tying into that, um, the game ends, you're on the call afterwards. What's your gut tell you who's going to uh, be the, the game winner and what's the score? So I'll take that off the call, off the air, but thank you, guys. Yeah, well, I'll, Tony and I will be making our picks on Friday like we do every single week, but Logs, you're welcome to give your <laughs> score prediction on Tuesday if you care to. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, we do a uh, Jaguars.com kind of prediction thing with Johnny Osher, so I'll wait for that. I don't really ever predict score. Um, you know, I think the Jaguars got a great chance, though. Uh, look, if, if you if your quarterback plays well, you protect the football, you got a great chance. The one thing that they didn't do – well, the last time in Kansas City was with the opportunities they were given. They didn't take advantage of them. You know, got some great starting field positions, got a surprise onside kick, and they just weren't able to capitalize. And part of the reason for that is Kansas City's got a really good defense. And Chris Jones is a, a marvelous player. And that's the player, I think, that's key because you better find a way to block him. If you don't, it's going to be a long day. So what about uh, preparation for Kansas City? Like when you played a team – couple months ago you know they played the chargers but that was so far right away you know the chiefs game was a while back too it, it was i think the one thing that you do is when you when you've had a game like that you go back and you look at maybe some of the matchups that maybe you felt a certain way and then you watch it and you and you why after you actually executed a game plan you say well you know it didn't quite go as what we thought so maybe let's try something different you know especially based on personnel um for example maybe you just felt like you know they Brandon Sheriff could have handled Chris Jones by himself. Well, after that game, you'd sit there and go, you know what, our guys can handle mm-hmm. you know, Chris Jones by himself. We're going to have to give some help there. So that may be something that you do a little bit different, differently schematically-wise up front. Uh, can you really simulate a Patrick Mahomes in practice? Hell no, man. The guy's just special. You know, The one thing you will do, though, is that you will do some scramble rule drills because that's one thing that Mahomes does really well. He extends plays and kind of runs around, and so you're going to – end up probably having somebody do some of that to where you tell your defensive line, okay, look, just kind of rush and then stop because you want to give your secondary the look of how they have to handle scramble rules. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And you'll kind of let the defensive line know without letting the secondary know. And then C.J. Beathard can run around like crazy like Patrick Mahomes and then throw the ball down the field and you see how the secondary reacts. Let them know, look, this could happen in the game. So you're trying to simulate – as many real in-game possibilities as you can. And that's what good coaches do, and I'm sure they'll find a way to do that, like I was just saying there, by not allowing the defensive line to, to go after the quarterback. 
Yeah, it's hard to imagine they'll be able to create more opportunities than they did the first time around, right? Like no You doubt. get the surprise onside kick to open up the game. You force three turnovers against that Kansas City team. You weren't able to really take advantage of those chances that you had in that game. Now you hold Kansas City to 27, but in large part that's because you turned them over three times. Like the Jaguars' defense had no answers for what the Kansas City Chiefs were doing on offense that day. Uh, they were giving up basically eight yards of play going back and looking at it. They gave up 150 yards on the ground that day, plus what Mahomes was doing. Kelsey killed him. A lot of guys running open. Yeah, like it's they got a lot of work to do to get better on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I think the defense is better right now than they were at that point in the season, especially. So I think they're better prepared for it, but I I can't imagine they create more opportunities for themselves than they did the first time. Well, you hope you can get as many, right? right? I mean, and, and but just do a better job with them. And defensively, you hope that you're a little bit cleaner than you were in that game because it was not a clean situation. And, you know, the defense has gotten better since that game. And you hope that uh, they can continue to get better. But, you know, Mahomes is a special talent. Kelsey is a special talent. Um uh, Kadarius Tony is a special talent. They do creative things with him. You know, Andy Reid is a special talent because he comes up. He'll, he'll have some kind of new wrinkle, formation, play, or something of that nature yeah. for this game because that's just the kind of coach that he is. And he's he's had a bye week. They've had some time to be able to prepare and work on some things that will be new to the Jaguars. And so. Uh, that's going to be an, a challenging part of it. But you just hope that some of the in-game adjustments that you can make are swift and complete and allows your team to stay competitive and, and to hopefully compete. All right, let's get to uh, Mike in Ohio next at 641-1010. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. So uh, my question for Logs is, how smart is Travis Etienne? On that fourth and one play, you can see that he starts to go out of bounds but then makes the conscious decision to stay in. And I know it doesn't make a huge difference time-wise because the Chargers only had that one timeout. But what it did do was save them an extra snap of the ball. And then I'll take your comments off air. Yeah, no, look, I I thought it was tremendous. We talked a little bit about it earlier. And, uh, you know, credit ETN for having the awareness, but also credit the coaching staff for instilling that awareness in them. Maybe one little reminder. Okay, hey, look, if, you know, we – we get this thing and we break it. Hey, just stay in bounds or something of that nature because uh, I thought that was important. You know, you, you really kind of closed the game out at that point. You know, there was an interesting and an interesting discussion that you could have there at the end of the ball game on what to do if you're the Jaguars. Do you do you go actually go to a last second snap or do you end up leaving a possibility of one more snap? You know, for example. Let's say you had an issue with uh, the hold, the hold yeah. or the snap, then you could have had Logan Cook grab the ball, spike it into the ground. You could have lined up for another opportunity. And so I, I was kind of thinking that that would be the decision there. And I didn't talk about it on the air because, look, the moment's big. It, you know, you don't want to waste right. the air with that. But that, I think, has to be a possibility and a consideration at that point because if you do have an issue – with the snap or the hold, you can spike it and then line up and kick it again. Honestly, I think Mahomes going down the field in 14 seconds or whatever it was at the end of the Kansas City-Buffalo game Mm. last year has gotten everybody terrified of leaving anybody anytime in the NFL. Like now, like teams, used to be you kicked off with a minute left. You'd be like, I don't know what they're going to do here. Now, last night I'm watching, you know, there's 27 seconds left in the half. We'll see what the Bucks can do to mount a drive. It's like, I mean, I, I feel like in today's NFL, 
Everybody's afraid of giving these quarterbacks that one play to put them in position that, you know, maybe draw a penalty or whatever the case may be. Either way, uh, it worked out, and Riley Patterson nailed it. I, I was really glad, just real quick, I was really glad, too, with the run just because, you know, if, if, if you don't get that significant of a gain, you know, Riley Patterson's leg has gotten more tired. That's one of the reasons why Logan Cook was handling some of the kickoff duties in this ballgame. So, you know, right on that fourth down, that would have been like a 57, 58-yard field goal possibility. That obviously wasn't what they wanted to try, but to have – ETN get that big of a gain on that, I think made it very comforting knowing that the kicker, who was also on the injury report on Wednesday and, and leg had getting, been getting tired, I mean, that, that was a big play. All right, uh, Charles on the west side next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Charles. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, hey, Jeff, uh, Logs. Based morning. on what you saw on uh, the defensive side uh, on, the, on uh, you know, last week, uh, going into Kansas City, would you pick uh, Devin or Chad to start because of the tight end action we're getting from? Well, I think that's a Chad. great question. And uh, I think they both have been playing. They've been kind of rotating. I think Chad's been cleaner. And for me, I would probably go with Chad. And But the one thing that I will say is that Chad does not possess the athleticism and the freakish ability that Devin Lloyd has. So I would love to find a role for Devin. That's not that pure linebacking kind of just, you know, playing coverage and zone and all that, because I think Chad does a better job with that. Chad does a little bit better job of, of having eye discipline. But when it comes to being athletic and blitzing and doing those type of things, it's not even close. I mean, Devin Lloyd is the guy. Yeah, Lloyd had the tackle down towards the goal line, but I can remember a play they were lucky the Chargers handed it off on the play because Cisco is screaming at Lloyd to get wide, get wide, get wide. And Keenan's out there on that side, basically alone. And when they snapped it, I was like, all he's got to do is stand up and throw it out there. It's 20 yards just off the jump right? because Devin Lloyd just wasn't in the right position on the field. Like it's that kind of stuff still seems to be happening with Lloyd once or twice a game. Yeah. And you'd like to get that cleaned up and, Hopefully he keeps on progressing, but you're right in that those things do crop up, and it's one of the reasons that you know, he's kind of lost some of his play time here at this point in the season. And, you know, when you go into a the, – the further you advance, the, the more comfort you have with guys that you trust, obviously, and, that less, and make less mental errors. And so you have a tendency to kind of play them more. Mm -hmm. you know, it's another example of that. You look at the Jaguars secondary and who's been inactive and who's been active over the – the last two games, which essentially have been playoff games. You know, you've had Gregory Jr. and Monteric Brown that have been both inactive. They're both rookies. Well, they've choo or have chosen to have Tavon Campbell, who has a little bit more experience under his belt because they trust him just a little bit more. Sometimes it's hard to trust rookies. And so with Chad in this situation, it's kind of similar. You know, you got to go with what you trust. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, it does appear Brandon Staley will keep his job, but that doesn't mean – that they will not shake up the Chargers' offensive staff here. Joe Lombardi, their OC, just got fired, as did their passing game coordinator, Shane Day. So, uh, out are those two guys. And, uh, again, that's their issues mm -hmm. to have to deal with. All right, we're halfway home. We'll get to more of your questions on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman coming up in a moment on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Dropping, Trevor, looking, 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 fires toward the back of the end, the ball's going to be caught for the touchdown, Marvin Jones Jr. for the score! 
Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman. Brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube. Servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, as is the case, every Check the Tape Tuesday, your Chad and Sandy real estate question today. Simply ask you, what are your questions for Jeff Logman? Logs, I guess the uh, that play, the Marvin Jones touchdown, is one that you've broken down on social media uh, this week, right, for folks to check out? Yes. Yeah, it was a great route by Marvin because he's being covered in man by Asante Samuel Jr. And he's running into the formation and then does the old head fake to the inside and then takes like a half a step and then bends it back and goes back to the outside. And literally, Asante Samuel's left in the dust like four or five yards behind when the throw's made. I mean, it just doesn't get any better when it comes to routes. I mean, just great – Great, you know, kind of sly move there by Marvin. Love it. Love it. And uh, once again, uh, you know, like the first game, each of the Jags' top three receivers caught a touchdown. This time they added one to Evan Ingram as well. So uh, Trevor's right. spreading the love around for his guys. Let's head out to the west side. Uh, Gene is next up on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Gene, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, E.T., and good morning, Logs. And Tony. Hey, uh, and Tony. And Tony. And Tony. <laughs> <laughs> three out of four. You were so close, man. All right, you're good. <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to ask, if possible, Jeff. Um, I know we just got a new quarterback, and I don't know if you know anything about him. But you were talking about uh, Beathard uh, trying to act like uh, you know Mahomes out there. Could this younger guy be more like that kind of quarterback? Do would they actually get somebody just to be on the practice squad to run these routes. Well, I, I don't know if you're referring to they actually signed a, a young man to play Nathan in the Canadian Rourke. Football League, yeah. who, uh, but that's a futures contract. He can't be on the roster now, so he can't participate in any of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta you got to roll with what you got and what you got is C.J. Beathard. I do you have one on the practice squad? I don't even know if they even have a quarterback on the practice squad. Mm. I'd have to look, yeah. I'm looking right now. Yeah, I don't, that just I don't goes to show you. I, I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, let's see here. Safety, safety, long snapper, offensive tackle, officer. No, yeah. no, no, no. You know, the, the one thing. Oh, yeah, they do. E.J. Perry's there. E.J. Perry, okay. Yeah. yeah, and maybe he can do some of the Patrick Mahomes stuff. Um, you know, to get to the quarterback, the number one quarterback, you know, the two-point conversion, I don't, I don't think that that was the play call. I don't, no, I don't think it was either. I think it was Trevor saw it was going to work and, and did it, which from a yard out, I mean, yeah, I don't but, know how you're ever going to stop that. Uh, but the interesting part is is that nobody else was on that page. No, yeah. He did which it himself. Which goes to show you, you don't have to be. Yeah. You like know? even David was in with us yesterday, David Garrard, and he was like, usually you have something, and you're kind of whispering it to the three guys in the middle so they know what you're about to do, right? Yeah, like, didn't do that, that kind of thing. And they got to the line, and Sheriff after the game's like, yeah, he was flying by me. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, the, you know, the, like the, that didn't get called. Trevor took the snap and just did it. And you saw when he came to the sideline, like Marone tapping his chest and then pointing to his head. Like, Peterson. heady play. Yeah. I do uh, that yeah, sometimes. That's all right. I, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it felt he did. He pointed to his chest, then he pointed to his head. It was like heady play. But obviously that was not the call. No, when I was watching conversion. when I was watching the game, I thought it might have been, but I was like, wait a minute, the offensive line, they weren't charging forward. So then when I watched the film, watching the you know the all twenty two, the the design of the play is actually a receiver screen to the left side designed to go to Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. And so you got two two guys blocking over there and that's Zay and Christian Kirk. Evan kind of runs in behind him and the ball's supposed to go to Evan and then he slips in for, you know, a short score. 
Trevor just decides that he's going to do this on his own, and so the center and the guard are pass blocking, and all of a sudden that's where Sheriff is referring to. All of a sudden I see Trevor flying through like Superman with the ball extended, but, I mean, that's a gutsy play by a quarterback. You know, the, the two plays in that game really stand out to me. It was that one because he did it on his own apparently, and then that check to where you, you get that deep ball mm-hmm. to – to Zay, I mean, when you got a quarterback who's doing that, those kind of things in year two, that's just rare. Yeah, I just think, too, with that that Trevor sneak, it's so, I mean, so low risk, right? I mean, because, okay, if it doesn't work, there's no guarantee to play that Evan Ingram was going to work either. Chances are it's not going to get returned all the way back, you know, and I understand the, the Huntley one, but Trevor's 6'6 six, six with long arms, man. Sure. It's tough to yeah, guard I, three feet against I understand that. you're thinking, but at the same token, when the coach, coach calls a play and then you don't run it and do it on your own, if you don't make it at that point. Hey, we, well, you, you got to uh, make it, right? We yeah, had a coach, I had a, I had a basketball coach that said, look, if you can beat your man to the basket, that is the play. No matter what's on, that's the play every time. And that was, Trevor's like, I can get to the end zone. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Doug was too upset with that. You know, no, no. Look, you want, uh, ultimately, Trevor to have that ability to see it, diagnose it, and, and do what he's got to do. Um, let's go, Gene. Thank you. Let's go to Gil in Virginia Beach next up here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Gil. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, my question for Jeff is, in the fourth quarter, Evan Ingram caught a ball, ran out of bounds to the left. It was like at 614, and the clock kept running, and I don't understand why. And I'll take your uh, comments up there. Sure. Six fourteen. Yeah. Outside of five minutes, yeah, it's the, gonna. Yeah, the clock always gets rewound when somebody goes out of bounds until you get to the five minutes of each half. Right. And, and it, like it'll, it may stop like momentarily, right? right? And but then they'll they'll, they'll set the ball, boom, and, and then they, they wind right. It. And so it's like a three second stoppage. Right. Um, so so in reality, that's why you don't get to clock management until you get to the five minute mark or inside the five minute mark where people start considering using timeouts, et cetera, because of all of that. I bet they did. I mean, as it worked out, it was fantastic. You know, um, we, we were, of course, in there going, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, watching the game like you're still down two scores. And I felt like they were taking their dear sweet time. Look, it all worked out, right? But the, I thought the Jags receivers late in the football game did a terrific job getting as much as they could and still getting out of bounds under five minutes and preserving that time so the Jags could dictate the the clock at well, the end the, of the, the game. One thing that really stood out watching the film was how efficient the receivers were number one at catching the ball. Okay, I don't know if we had a drop that I can remember. Number two is that their reaction after they had the catch. So their reaction was immediate, getting up the field to get the extra yardage, and that I thought made a big difference in the ball game because I mean all those little hidden extra yards that you can get like that make a difference, especially when you're talking about yeah. the need to come back and time is of the essence, you know. And then also that big play to Zay. That's a huge play just from the standpoint of it saved you time for other plays and other drives later in the ball game, and that was critical, critical to the game. And then I got to make mention of the tackles. I mean, you're talking about two of the best edge defenders in the league and Mack and Bosa, and I thought that Walker Little and Juwan Taylor did a really good job against those two guys. Yeah, Kirk had the catch to get the first first down on the final drive, right? And when he got it and got immediately upfield, got past the sticks, it's like, now they can go. You know, those kind of drives, it's we got to get that first first down and then we can get into the offense. And I thought it was crucially important that Christian, when he caught that ball, there was no wasted movement. It's just get to the sticks, mm-hmm. keep the clock rolling, and get this offense really in gear on yeah, this Yeah, that, that play, and then there was uh, the, the little screen that Christian Kirk had on the left side going yeah. to the north end zone, how quick he was getting up the field. ETN on a couple 
plays that, uh, you know, he was a member in the backfield. He's almost tackled for loss by Khalil Mack, and then all of a sudden he turns it into a four- or five-yard gain. I mean, just how these players maximized every play I thought was impressive. Uh, and we probably have all seen it by now, but you, you're talking about Walker Little and, and Jawan Taylor. Walker Little, according to PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, credited with 39 pass-blocking snaps directly against either Mack or Bosa. Zero pressures Yeah, he allowed was, he was really game. good. And in the last two games – Two games ago, okay, against Tennessee, and, and you really saw kind of a little bit of a what I call a little bully attitude, you know, where he started going at guys instead of kind of being the receiver and protection and being the guy that's kind of taking the blows. He was one of the guys that was giving the blows. And in this past game, he got after it as well. So impressive, impressive by him. All right, Top Gun in Mayport next up here on Jaguars today. Good morning. Hey, Lux. Good morning, Top Gun. You just can't get away from me, no, can Hey, Mike. What's up? Tony, E.T. Um, listen, I wanted to mention a catch that in the comeback that uh, Evan Ingram made that uh, was sort of first down, and um, he caught that ball right on his hip, and that is a hard catch to make. Yeah, the one you're referring to is a crossing route, and literally it's thrown almost at the the below the hip and just a, and a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. And he caught it with, I mean, it was almost like it wasn't no big deal at all. Right, kept moving. You know, yeah. like a lot of guys have to stop, you know, turn their body, catch that thing, and then try to restart. When he when he made that catch, I just said to myself, is all those drills, all that hard work's paying off? Because, I mean, that was as flawless of a catch as you could ask for in that situation. Of Tremendous. All right, uh, Waffle House needs to step in with some of that NIL money to make sure we can get Evan Ingram back here in Jacksonville for the next three years. All right, Logman here on a Check to Tape Tuesday. Your questions for Jeff, keep them coming at 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. We'll check in on some of the texts you've sent next, and then we'll get to some of our Twitter questions as well. On a Check to Tape Tuesday, this is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Dropping this time. Trevor looking. Fires deep downfield. Got a man wide open. Zay Jones into the end zone. Touchdown, Jaguars. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, we continue along a check-the-tape victory Tuesday here on Jaguars Today. Lug's got a, a few here on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures uh, that we've chosen to pass your way. So let's pay them off here. Uh, this one, I rewatched the Week 10 Chiefs game. Tony Romo kept talking about how one Chief receiver would run through an area, another one followed behind, and he would be open in that zone defense. Do we need better communication uh, a defensive adjustment or scheme. How, how do you stop that? Yeah, you got uh, kind of uh, when you have a zone coverage like that, for example, if you have like a, a, a two-deep zone. So you got a guy secondary and a safety, and then you have a guy in the flat. And then you'll see sometimes where like Josh Allen has to carry a guy who runs an out and an up. Well, that's what you have to do. You have to react to the what they call like an overloaded or they put three levels in a two-level zone. So the – you have to have guys kind of help and uh, and better communication, better awareness, better identification to be able to deal with that. And that's part of cleaning up the defense because last the last time you were in Kansas City, that's why you got beat. You know, you just had a lot of guys running open. Uh, you didn't adapt 
with your coverages, and Kansas City, if you do that against them, going to make you look stupid. All right, this one, uh, the second half, Jags offense moved with more urgency, being down 20, basically cutting to the chase here. Is starting off at a faster pace with the offense, should that be an option, like right from the jump? And I think he's referring to maybe like no huddle, up-tempo yes. stuff. And, and yeah. that that's great. And the one thing is with the up-tempo stuff is that, you know, you run the risk of putting your defense out there you know, quicker. And so you've got to be able to be, I think, judicious about deciding when and if to use something like that. Because, look, uh, putting a defense that might be a little bit tired right back out on the field for another Patrick Mahomes drive can can be risky. So – you know, I like the idea of doing that sometimes if you just need a change of pace, but just to do it because you think it's going to work throughout the game, it's not always, not always the best idea. And then finally, uh, this one on the play where the Chargers receiver dropped the ball, but they got up and, you know, Doug Peterson really didn't get time to get a good replay review. We were waiting for one on the, the in-stadium and the TV broadcast, and he didn't, didn't quite catch up. They're saying, look, in that situation, if you're a player and you feel like, this, we're going to win this review, but you know that they're hurrying up to the line. Do you do some gamesmanship there? Do you, oh, I got a, I got a bad cramp at the, this time, and I, I fell to the ground. I, I know they're they're trying to penalize guys. Uh, they did with, Who was it, Tony? Uh, Cameron Jordan, right? Yeah, got a yeah. huge fine for doing something similar to that. Uh, and then he they pointed to the injury report, and they're like, look, he's really hurt. But regardless, as a player, is there – some way or or just is there anything you can do in that circumstance to give yourself a few extra seconds to get a peek? Oh, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, I, if you've got the awareness uh, on the play, like ETN had for staying in bounds, and you're seeing that this could be a, a catch, you're seeing the officials signal it, and then you quickly go down. You can't, like, have to, you know, all of a sudden wait five seconds and then go, <laughs> oh, oh, my hamstring. I mean, if you do it in a – subtle way mm-hmm. as the play is ending and he kind of grab at your calf, you know, sure. But, you know, you don't want Tyson Campbell doing that, you right. know, because he's got to come out for a play, you know. So you got to make sure that it's the right guy, you know, go back in time to the old Jaguars. You know, Yurkovic was a master at it, you know, for two reasons. One, he was smart enough to see when we needed to, to give our defense a breather, maybe just because the offense is putting too many plays together and we needed a little bit of a break. Or if it was a situation like that, then the reality was, I mean, look, Yurkovic was a a player that we wouldn't miss a ton, you know? (laughs) So you got to have the right player do that. All right. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We're not saying cheat. We're just saying, you know, (laughs) we need a longer look. We're saying try. Try. There you go. Awareness. (laughs) All right. It's just awareness. Let's let Tony Smith take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Teams with head coach openings can start interviewing candidates that coach during wildcard weekend beginning today. Arizona, Carolina, Denver, Houston, Indianapolis, the five teams looking for a new head coach. Within the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans were one of two teams looking for a new GM along with the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are hiring Titans executive Monty Osenfort as their new general manager. Cincinnati offensive lineman Jonah Williams was undergoing an MRI to determine the extent of a knee injury that he suffered on Sunday night, a dislocated kneecap, it turns out. His availability for the remainder of the playoffs is unclear at this time. San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan said on Monday that wide receiver Jawan Jennings and defensive end Samson Epucom are both day-to-day with ankle injuries. All right, thank you, Tony. Uh, somebody sent this one on 
uh, the text line how the uh, national media disrespecting the best play-by-play call uh, or the best booth, the best broadcast booth. I think they were trying to do a nice thing. I don't know what the source of this is, but somebody's reacting and somebody had posted a clip of Frank's call of uh, the game-winning field goal, which is obviously super enthusiastic. Don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard Al Michaels' call. I did. Who seemed like it was middle of the second quarter of a preseason game. It was game. terrible. Terrible, right? Yeah, terrible. So, uh, whatever outlet this is, is trying to, I believe, give kudos to you guys. He says, well, Michaels and Dungey may have come up short on their own broadcast. Jaguars radio play-by-play voice blank did not. Frankie Fergie. <laughs> Frankie Fergie did not. Fergie provided the ideal soundtrack to one of the most memorable moments in Jacksonville franchise history with his electric call of Patterson's game winner. I mean, they're trying to say something nice. Yeah. Frankie Fergie? Right. And they're quote tweeting Tim Burke, who, who has had the, the name, handle in there. The it's handle. Frank, Frank Frangie. Like, what are we doing? I mean, come well, maybe on. they know each other and it's a it's a nickname or something. Maybe you know? it is. Maybe I, they're buddies. I'm going to say Fergie. no. <laughs> right, I thought for a minute, I'm like reading this. And I'm going to start like, calling Frank Fergie. Frankie then. Fergie. Hey, Fergie. Um, wow. All right, uh, let's go to Steve in Melbourne. We'll get a couple calls in before the break. Then we'll hit uh, Twitter questions for logs before we're out of here on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Steve, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Before I ask my question to logs, uh, Mike, I want to do a shout-out to you for mentioning my son or my friend's son yesterday because he is the one and only Mountain Dewey Winger. Yeah, I got a, he hit yeah. me up on Twitter about that. I don't know if you saw this, Logs. Got an eight-year-old kid uh, doing Mountain Dew funnels in the at the Bold City Brigade tailgate, oh, and they call him Mountain Dewey Wingered. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. <laughs> hey, you got to raise him right in Duval, baby. So, uh, go ahead, Steve. All right. But my question for Logs are, uh, you know, Roy Robertson-Harris, or as Mike likes to say, Roy Roberts, um, it's kind of make, making a statement like, okay, everybody was saying maybe cut him this season, this off season to make cap room. But I mean, he's had a sack and a half a sack in the last four games, kind of making a statement like, oh, you better restructure me because I want to be here. And second is actually kind of a funny question. You think Kansas City wide receivers are kind of a little worried or whatever because Andre Cisco's coming to town? Gonna gonna lay the boom again on somebody. Don't, don't get Mike started on oh, that. They're, they're fan, that's all their fans are talking about this week is is revenge on Andre Cisco. I hope that's the focus of the Chiefs, uh, and I hope they're not focusing on the X's and O's. Somehow, I don't think that'll be Andy Reid's top priority. Though. No, but uh, to answer your question about uh, Big Roy, uh, he's been fantastic the last best, best game he played right this week years. yeah I mean, four tackles for loss pass breakups they're big i mean because you know when you have the tackles that he made now you're putting the chargers behind the chains and it puts them in, in a more obvious pass rush situation that lets the guys the dogs kind of loose and we'll get to some of those dogs yes. in a little bit yes we will and by the way i only call him roy roberts because that's what Urban Miller thought his name was last year. Uh, that's good, Mike. Chuck on the north side is up next. Hello, I Chuck. I guarantee he's telling people that, it, though, look, they, they wouldn't be where they it's are It's all without. right. It's all the groundwork he laid. Exactly. I There's no question that's happening. Chuck, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, a couple things, uh, Logs, in your comments. I thought the best throw that Trevor made all night was that last touchdown pass to Kirk uh on the outbreak in the end zone. That was right on the doggone money. And then the other thing, guys, is in the second half, those receivers, the yards after the catch on those uh, over-the-middle uh, catches for first downs when Kirk had to put his hand down on the ground, get an extra two or three yards, was just phenomenal. And just your comment. 
Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with you as far as the best throw because, I mean, that was a tremendous throw. And if you look at the numbers of the three guys that you signed in free agency, I mean, wow. I mean, Evan, Zay, and Christian Kirk all had a huge impact yep. in that game. I mean, you're just – you know, credit to the personnel staff, head coach Trent Balky for doing a great job bringing those three guys in because I don't think that there's a better trio of uh, weapons that have been signed in the offseason for anybody. And most importantly, these three guys were brought in to really grow with Trevor because they worked their butts off. And I think that that really paid huge dividends. You bring in a guy who's kind of a diva, eh, you know, doesn't like to practice it doesn't help a young quarterback. And so credit to them for really doing a, a thorough examination of these guys and understanding what a young quarterback needed. So players that love to practice, players that are about ball, because without that, I don't think Trevor and this football team, they're not going to get to where they're at now. And remember, Trent Baalke wanted to sign Evan Ingram to a multi-year deal. And Ingram insisted on a one-year deal, which is smart for him. He's trying to you know, boost his value, which he certainly has this year. Uh, yeah, you he's going to be – I mean, look, you can use a tag on him. I think it was in the ballpark of $12 million, And, you know, that's the one thing about the tight end tag is that it's not terribly expensive. Right. So. You've got an opportunity to keep them two ways. Obviously, you'd like to be able to get something done long term, and it would probably be in the neighborhood of twelve million. And that's probably that's probably where the beginning parts of the conversation are going to be at. Right, and the the advantage, of course, on the long term deal is you can lower that first year cap figure significantly because right. uh, they're going to need some of that. All right, let's get one more on this side, Gary in Orange Park. You're next on Jaguars today. Go ahead, Gary. Hey, I think we'll agree uh, Mahomes is a magician. So, Jeff, are we going to rush four and play uh, zone, or are we going to rush five and play man? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you got to be able to do both. But, I mean, in a perfect world, you're always going to just rush four. Now, there's different ways that you can rush four. You can zone dog or zone blitz a uh, quarterback and send four guys, but it gives the impression that five or six are coming. So, you got to be able to mix it up on Mahomes. If you allow him to get comfortable, he's going to eat you up. And then a lot of times if you if you end up trying to pressure him, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league against pressure. That's what makes Patrick Mahomes who he is. So variety, uh, I think, is key. Yeah, I think uh, so a lot of teams have even gone to rushing three and just dropping, trying to flood zones against him, you know, and – at times, it's been effective, you know, but nothing seems to be effective for a long period of time against no, Patrick he's just, Mahomes. You know, he's just so good. I mean, he's you know, he's got the mobility to where he can extend plays. He's got the accuracy. He can diagnose. I mean, there's just so many things that he can do that, uh, you know, with one quarterback, I mean, some quarterbacks have a couple strong points, and so you really try to attack those strong points. With Mahomes, which one are you going to attack? Yeah. Now, Gary, uh, appreciate the call. We'll come back on the other side. Some final thoughts with Jeff Logman. Maybe a call or two more if we have time. Got some on Twitter, and we've got uh, our 10-10 take uh, question for Logs as well. If Roy Robertson-Harris did not have the best defensive performance this week, who exactly did? All that coming up. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Let's put it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on! 
How good is that? Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. It is still very good, Frank. Very, very good. Heck of a call from Fergie there. Uh, Fer- Fergie did a great job <laughs> on that one. Uh, he's at least for the rest of the week, I, I would say, <laughs> right there. I mean, I already told him multiple times this week, I thought he might have had his best game at the mic uh, mm-hmm. for anybody's call for the Jags, but. Oh, this is fun. All right, uh, E.T., if you'd be so kind, why don't we uh, check out today's 1010 Take. 1010. 1010 Take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 Take, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, our question for logs for today's 1010 Take is uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, we thought, had a fantastic game. In fact, uh, he was voted... Uh, Jaguar Radio Network player of the game mm-hmm. on Saturday night. You thought a defensive player had a better game than Roy. Who was that? I thought Arden Key was tremendous. I mean, if you go back and look at the sack that Roy had, I mean, part of the reason why is because Arden just totally disrupted the play. Uh, he also led to another sack in the ball game. I mean, he just kept Justin Herbert off balance, I thought, the entire game, and he provides great flexibility inside, outside. He is as slippery of a pass rusher as you could ask, and – Boy, the Jaguars, I think, are very fortunate to have him because he's just he just provides a lot of things for this football team, and he really is the energizer bunny. That's what he calls himself. But he picks this football team up. You know, when you're talking about coming back from 27 down, if you watch the way he played, I mean, he was like a man on a mission, and it was fun to watch him on film. All right. Well, there you go. That's the answer. Uh, Log's got a few here on – Twitter that I wanted to pass along to you before we wrap up today uh, from Chevin. I was wondering if Jeff would care to explain to the listeners how Juwan Taylor gets away with false starts like he supposedly did with Bosa. Like a lot of tackles, and he, I don't think he's he's knocking Taylor here. We see this happen a lot now in the NFL. One or both tackles get like that half-beat head start on the snap, and it's often not called. Um, why is that, and, and what do you – are the refs just kind of letting, allowing that in today's NFL, knowing uh, how difficult it is to pass block? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and Tony Dungy thinks that that should be, you know, put the, the clamps down, so to speak, by the league. Well, it's easier said than done because sometimes it's a judgment call. I mean, a lot of times the offensive lineman is what we think might be early, but if you actually go back and you watch the film and you do it in slow motion, the offensive linemen a lot of times are actually moving at the exact point that the ball starts to move. So what we may sometimes perceive as an early leave, it really isn't. And if we're going to ask the officials to you know, completely get this right, then you ought to give them the ability to look at something like that in slow-mo, which is almost impossible. So... I think the league does okay with it. I think there's some obvious ones that should be called, but then there's a lot to me that are just right on the money. Okay. Um, how does Trevor, this is from Tommy. And I'm a defensive Twitter. guy, Mike. I know you are. <laughs> uh, how does Trevor in this offense match up against the Chiefs secondary? Well, they're good now. I mean, the, the one thing I think that the Chiefs are really good at is the linebacking group. You know, they, the, the, they're fast, they play hard, and – you know, the one thing that uh, I think they've gotten better at is is in the back end. That's kind of was their weakness for a while, and they've gotten better. But the one area that helps the back end really is the guys up front. 
You know, when you got a guy like Chris Jones just wrecking the entire offensive line, it's hard to to expect, you know, quarterback to have a lot of time and have comfort in the pocket. So first and foremost, you got to do a really good job up front. Then I think you get a really good analysis of where the Kansas City Chiefs are. They're good. I don't think they're great. They've got a very good defensive coordinator who, by the way, won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. And uh, it's going to be a challenge this week. But you've got to find a way to be able to have what I call indecisive downs. Indecisive downs are when you get to second and four, third and three, third and two, which means that you're doing a really good job on the first and second down. You're putting the defense a little bit on their heels because they don't know if it's going to be a run or if it's going to be a pass. And if you can run the ball effectively to help you get to that point, then obviously you're in a good situation. But if you can get Chris Jones and uh, those other guys that rush the passer there, Carlaftis, and uh, now they've got uh, Frank Clark back, if you can make them indecisive, that would be really good. All right, along the lines of running the ball from General Duval, why wasn't the game plan this week to run the ball uh, coming right out against uh, what is a good pass defense and the Chargers have been susceptible to the run, uh, why wasn't it more run heavy? I guess early well, on. I, I think their their game plan definitely was to run more, and I think they would have, but and they did. I don't know exactly what the what ratio was in the first half up until the interceptions, but I didn't think it was completely out of whack. And the reality is, is that this is a pass first league, and a lot of times you got to pass to run the football. And I think running the football was was totally the game plan against against the uh, the the Chargers. And the reason why is that they're not very stout inside. And that's uh, something that they were looking to take advantage of. But, you know, with the giveaways that you had, you really never were able to get into a rhythm to allow the running game to have an impact early. All right, last quick one for you. Um, Tight ends is from Metal World Crazy. Tight ends have killed the Jags these last couple weeks. Can they triple-team Kelsey or something crazy because what they're doing right now is not working? Well, and Gerald tri- Everett had a day. Now. Triple team Kelsey, then all of a sudden you're taking two guys off of some other coverage, you know, and that's the challenge there. And you'd like to be able to to double Kelsey, and it's a little bit easier to double Kelsey this year than it has been in the past, because in the past, if you were going to double Kelsey, then that meant that you were going to leave single coverage on Tyreek Hill, and that was a total no no. But do they they don't really have that Tyreek Hill anymore, mm-hmm. or a guy that's taken his place or filled those shoes. So can you double Kelsey? Yes. Can you triple him? I don't know if you can triple anybody in this league. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Logs, where are we going to catch you the rest of the week? Uh, same same stuff as usual. Thursday happy hour with me and J.P. Shadrick. Coach's show as well on Thursday on radio and then all social media programs. And then Thursday night we have Jaguars All Access with Josh Allen, player to be determined. And in the film room for Jaguars Weekend and Wired, we'll be in the film room with Phil Rauscher for that fourth and one play. And then uh, I'll be joining the outdoor show from Kansas City Saturday morning. And then uh, I believe our pregame starts at 1 o'clock on the pregame show. All right. That sounds about right. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I don't plan on (laughs) getting there for a 1.30 start. (laughs) All right, Logs, have a good trip to Kansas City. Bring us back a W. Jeff Logman wrapping up a check the tape Tuesday. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. 
Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, big surf in the house. Leon, good morning. What's good, Jimmy? What is good, man? I, I can name a few things that are good right now. Um, Doug, Trev, Travis, you know, just all the Jags. That's all. Josh. Josh. Oh, on and on. I just started. I just got started. Oh, of course. Sorry I didn't start with the (laughs) offensive tackles, all right? Uh, In in all seriousness, Leon, like, you know, for the team, I think the excitement had to worn off already, right? Because you got to focus on what's coming up. And today is like a Wednesday of a typical game week. So, uh, for you, uh, you know, Jags. Did get some turnovers, had some big plays in that department, still fell by 10 to Kansas City. Um, how do you feel about the matchup just in general heading into this weekend? Well, listen, I, I think uh, the last time we played Kansas City, we played them pretty well. I think we had a lot of missed opportunities. Uh, touchdown, callback, drop pass by Christian Kirk early on, penalties here. Mostly self-inflicting wounds, but if you watch the film against us in KC, I mean, we went toe-to-toe with them. I mean, everybody's worried about Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely had four touchdowns in the game. Sure. He'd have the one pick. We had two turnovers. I mean, it's not like they they, they walked over us and beat us by 30. So, I mean, if we can make some corrections, I think this team is playing with a great deal of confidence right now. You cannot get down to 27 against KC. No doubt. You cannot do that. <laughs> well, you so, probably think you probably couldn't have done that against the Chargers, but I don't want to test could. that theory again. Hey, exactly. I definitely won't do that. You know what? Here's a, here's a thought. Let's, let's get up by 14 and see what. Wouldn't that be nice, Tom? It would be absolutely nice. I would love to see it. All right, Leon, uh, what do you guys have cooking today? Uh, well, at uh, 12.05, we've got uh, Mike McCoy, quarterback. Nice. Yeah. Oh, we'll be listening, man. You have a good it. show. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. There you go, Big Sirs. And everybody else getting ready for this Saturday 4.30 kick against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that will do it for us today on a Check the Tape Tuesday. For Tony Smith, E.T., Jeff Lagerman. I'm Mike Dempsey, back at it again tomorrow with Donovan Darius and John Osier and more of you out there, Jaguar fandom as well. So uh, thanks and uh, stick around. XL Primetime is coming up next on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Start taking care of y'all mantles, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken.